From How to Barbecue Right Studios in Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts, Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. So since our last show, we've had some uh, interesting happenings uh, across the nation, or actually in I guess in one part of the nation. And you know, this is something that uh, I know is on everybody's mind and, and hearts, and it's just hard to watch, uh, hard to believe that it happened. But something that we're not going to focus too much on uh, on the show. But you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't didn't bring it up. So I just kind of wanted to go ahead and start with that. And, and Matt, just get any any thoughts that you may have. Well, Derek, you and I talk a lot off of air, and and so we've talked quite a bit over the last twenty four hours. What we saw, different thoughts and stuff, and then now what we what we seem to do now is talk about well, how we, how would we maybe handle it on the show, or what are we going to talk about, or how does that that come up on our show? And I, I think Derek, something that is very important uh, to me and you, and we've said it since we started this uh, podcast in, in August. The people down in Jackson, Mississippi, for instance, the the law the lawmakers, certainly the news coverage, they don't come to Soda County. We're right. we're up here by ourselves. Uh, we're up here by ourselves. Memphis News, they don't come to Soda County for positive news at all. Right. At all. I mean, they really they just don't. I mean, really and truly, they they come to to. DeSoto County for, for bad things. Uh, they come to DeSoto County when Baptist DeSoto has high COVID numbers or any kind of stuff like that. We started this podcast to discuss local positive news, local positive things, whether it be sports and kids, you know, education, our wonderful schools, uh, those type things. And that's why we started this podcast. But listeners, uh, UTW podcast listeners, please focus on what I'm about to say. Local decisions, local people, local things has never been more important than now to pay attention to, you know, who your alderman is, who your mayor is. The different things being made, decisions being made locally are going to affect you a heck of a lot more than things going on right now in Washington, D.C. Well, especially acts like that. Now, we, exactly. you know, obviously, we have representatives and senators sure, that took action, voted certain ways. And whether you agree with it or not, I mean, they could have repercussions if when, they, when they're uh, up for election next time. But I think what Matt is referring to is that what happens in Mississippi, what, what laws are passed, that affects us a lot more in our daily lives than anything Washington will do. Now, Washington, you know, this new administration, I'm sure, will have uh, a lot of, of different decisions and, and different uh, bills that they pass that, uh, from the, the administration before for them but locally the mississippi matters hernando south haven olive branch what those cities what the planning commissioners what the aldermen what they decide matter and that's what you know you will have a say in uh you know if, if when you vote on a national level like being in mississippi i mean your, your vote uh obviously all votes count but you know mississippi usually votes a certain way uh but in, in on cities on a local level on I mean, a national level it, right on a national yes, level yes. yes excuse me uh, but on a local, you know, on a state level, your vote absolutely matters. On a local level, you know, some races are decided by like 50 votes, 100 votes, absolutely matter. So just that's that's what we're encouraging with this show. We do recognize it. Um, you know, if something comes out that does directly affect DeSoto County, uh, we will absolutely bring on the show and mention it and talk about it. And if we can get somebody from Washington uh, at the state level to come to here on, on our show, we will absolutely have them. But in the meantime, we're going to focus. We've got a, a huge elections uh, in the municipalities coming up this spring. That's where our focus is going to be for at least for the next few months paying attention to the outside but um you know i'm just i'm really looking forward to that and really looking forward to as we mentioned on our show on tuesday staying positive understanding that these are neighbors residents that live in the same town we see each other every day let's just be civil 
uh, let's agree to disagree uh, if we don't have the same points and not bash and fight and just you know just, just spew the vitriol on the on the uh, on the internet. It's, it's not necessary. Um, I think we can have a civil and we can be a, a shining beacon of what elections should be and, and have been, you know, for hundreds of years and what they, you know, and try to revert back to that. Yeah. I mean, Derek, I, mean, I think we started this podcast as a, at a perfect time. We got to cover football, which you and I certainly thoroughly enjoyed last fall and, and, and really enjoyed that. But man, the spring's coming up. Hernando, uh, all the municipalities in DeSoto County are going to be having large elections, going to be having elections. It's at that time of, uh, you know, every four year cycle. So uh, I just continue to preach to the listeners and sorry for the long uh, opening, but uh, preaching to the, the UTW podcast listeners that local is the most important thing. Uh, you know, Derek, you and I are in our 40s now. Um, there may be someone that's listened to us in their 20s, early 30s, maybe have one or two kids. Um, but if you have an opinion about a soccer field, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, they can't do anything about our soccer field here. But your alderman can. Your mayor can. You know, Derek, you know firsthand getting involved in the Hernando Soccer Association. Uh, there was a particular, um, you know, citizen that was kind of fed up. I, I mean, just a quick story. She was embarrassed because Oxford had to come up and play soccer on our fields, and they played in the baseball field. And she could hear the women laughing about Hernando about having to use a porta potty from across the field. And that kicked off what, what we have out there so nice out on Robin, is it Robinson Road. Robertson, Robertson Road. Yeah, that's what kicked it off was her hearing the ladies laugh at us from Oxford right across the soccer field. So hey, we, hey, hey, we won't be, mention her name, but she knows who yeah, she is. Yeah, it could be, you know, it could be athletic fields. It could be potholes on your roads. That's it. Uh, it can be, you know, okay, well, my taxes are too high. What am I paying for? Why aren't we getting such and such store? That all has to do locally, uh, maybe countywide, probably no further than state. So, uh, again, that's that's we just we want to put it out there. It is a, a that's a long kind of opening, kind of a little. I'm not gonna say a rant, just more of a, a us getting our thoughts out there. Well, that's what we're gonna do, Derek. You and I've talked about not being a political show, but politics will be a topic on this show. It has to be. It should be. It's important to the listeners in this area, and our numbers show it from our listeners, our Facebook stuff that we do, and the numbers we can see. People are very interested. We had a great interview with Mike McClendon uh, on on Monday that aired on Wednesday. A uh, record number of, of you know people th- that have engaged it on our Facebook page and stuff like that. So, well, if you're looking for positivity and trying to take away from the negative that we've had this week look no further than team couch that's right team couch of birch realty group our presenting sponsor for 2021 we want to thank brian and terry again for continuing to believe in us at the utw podcast look over 63 years of combined real estate experience in the residential real estate market here in DeSoto County, here in the Mid-South. 25,000 closings in the last 11 years. Just an absolute force in the residential real estate market in DeSoto County. Team Couch of Birch Realty is ranked nationally as a top performing team. They were ranked as a top team in Mississippi in America's Best Real Estate Professional Magazine. That's America's Best Real Estate Professionals Magazine. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they're available to you 24-7. They don't just work weekends or work at night after their other job. They are a full-time, full-service group. Give them a call at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Or find them at teamcouch.com. Podcast recorded each and every Tuesday and Friday morning from the How To Barbecue Right Studios, located right here in Hernando. I want to thank How To Barbecue Right, thank Malcolm and Rochelle for their support, being our studio sponsors for 2021. How To Barbecue Right shop is located just down from Connection Gym on Memphis Street, so just go 500 yards past Connection Gym, 
and they'll be right there on your left. It's a store full of anything and everything a man would need for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor cooking. They've got rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, and really cool high-end smokers. Be sure and look them up on their Facebook page. That's at, capital H, the number two, capital Q, Malcolm Shop. Again, at, capital H, the number two, capital Q, Malcolm Shop, or look them up, 662-912-9947. That's 662-912-9947. Again, 500 yards past Connection Gym on the left-hand side. You'll find How to Barbecue Right Shop. Well, it's Friday, and the Friday after the Alderman meeting, so as we usually do on those those Friday podcasts, we start with the Hernando Alderman meeting, a recap kind of what happened. And this meeting was... was Really short. Uh, it was about 24 minutes long, I think, was the total uh, on the video. And oh, really only two things we're going to mention uh, this morning. First of all, Natalie uh, Lynch, we talked about. She was unopposed. They had a motion, I think it was number five on the agenda, to waive the special election uh, because of the fact she was unopposed, uh, easily approved. And so she was, I guess, recognized as the winner or the appointee uh, for Ward 1. Uh, and then she later on, uh, I think on Wednesday, I believe, she was actually inducted uh, and sworn in as the Ward 1 Alderman for the remaining of this term through June 30th. And so her first meeting will actually be the next one uh, that they have, uh, I guess, about a week and a half from now. So uh, anyway, congratulations to our favorite, our favorite former commissioner, yeah. favorite former permanent commissioner, Natalie Lynch, who is now the Alderman of Ward 1. Right, no longer allowed to uh, say say favorite uh, or whatever, but she's uh, definitely was a friend of the podcast from a planning commissioner standpoint. So she didn't get to take a seat and be involved in the meeting from no, Tuesday she night. She was not there. No, she would be in the next meeting. Would be her first meeting. Okay, gotcha. I gotcha. I, I kind of was. I was worried a little bit about Natalie. I thought she might sit down for her first meeting and say, "Hey, I want to talk about the budget." You know, let's <laughs> let's dive deep into that. That probably would have thrown people off for a while. They were thinking they were going to have a twenty-four minute meeting and it, you know turned into three hours. But uh, again, congratulations. Congratulations to her, uh, Ward 1, uh, replacing um, Alderman Sonny Bryant, who passed away uh, last year. So uh, definitely, I know Natalie will do a good job there for Ward 1. And so that kind of leads us to the other topic that we're going to mention this morning, uh, the CARES money. Uh, the CARES money, this was something that was brought up by uh, Alderman 2, uh, Alderman from Ward 2, excuse me, uh, back in December. They found out Alderman for Ward 6 had mentioned that the money had been received from the state by the city of about $330,000. That was from the CARES money that the state had received and kind of divided up between municipalities. And then the Hernando portion was 330000 and was wondering why they were not alerted to that. Kind of talk and the, the mayor kind of uh, explained that that's the uh, the municipal clerk uh, is responsible for putting that, uh, I guess, basically into the general fund and then to putting it in, in the packets uh, of the alderman to let them know that it happened. Uh, not saying that did or did not happen for the end of December. I have not seen the packet, so I can't speak to it directly. Uh, but that is um, what's supposed to happen. And then whether or not it did or not, uh, there may have been some oversight. But there is $330,000 uh, available for the city. So, the discussion on Tuesday night was, well, what do we do with the money? The alderman for Ward, for Ward 2 wanted to do a, a scenario. And so what he's asked the mayor uh, and the city clerk to kind of put together over the next month or so is a 1%, 2 and 3% pay raise based on the current budgets for all the department heads in, uh, in the city. And then also for a five-year pay study uh, of all the department heads. Now, he did ask for this in December. The time frame now, basically, the mayor said he would have it within the next couple meetings. So probably about a month from now, he'd have that ready. Um, and he wants to know also how the salaries with the current, I guess, with the current 
are now or how they've been over the past five years compared to other cities of the similar size uh, in Mississippi. So, you know, a lot of research that the mayor and the city clerk will have to do. So he would like that, you know, presented to the alderman, of course. As you mentioned, Natalie will be there. She'll sure. see the numbers. But then one of the, uh, the questions that came up was from Ward 4 Alderman. And what he will ask was, is that what the funds, what will happen you know, after this year? So, okay, well, that's great. We got $330,000. We're going to do a 1%, 2 or 3% pay raise. Let's say we go ahead and enact that, that the city enacts it, let's say, in February or March. What happens next year when we're not getting $330,000? So, remember, when you, when you give the raise, it's hard to take a raise away. Uh, and then, of course, then raises compound on top of themselves. So, well, how do we fund that in years going forward? That was his first thing. Did the alderman for more two? inquire about this because of the cares money or was he just saying in general what's it look like with a one two or three percent pay raise for the forward budget uh i think probably a little both i uh, think yeah. he wanted to see i think he wanted just to compare where he was where they are yeah. or where we are now and then also obviously if you have that pool of money it does help to go ahead and start the funding now but i mean also a good question is is once you start the compounding interest basically or compounding salaries then it does make it you know harder in the future years if you do have shortfalls but i think that he just wanted to kind of see where we were first of all and then okay well maybe some of this money could be used toward that to start it off right i mean uh, hernando you and i agree uh, that the 2020 census will probably Probably reaches over the twenty thousand person mark. It's going to be yeah, citizen right, mark. Right. Well, towns of twenty thousand in the state of Mississippi. How do we compare? You know, that's, that's right. a good question. You know, Derek, last podcast. You know, you were talking about the city you grew up in. Mm-hmm. Natchez, Mississippi, is a worldwide known city, mm-hmm. and it's probably less than fifteen thousand people now. It is now. You know, what I'm saying. It is now. I mean, think about that. Well, how big Natchez, Mississippi, has been since the start of America. You know, and now, like you said, it's it's something from a financial standpoint and and citizenship standpoint has definitely. Uh, gone down hernando's going up hernando's increasing what do we look like compared to other you know 18 to twenty-five thousand, you know population towns it's, so, a, it's a great question yeah and i like it we should do this more often no i mean i i think it's probably something that they, they should do every four years yeah board, i agree just to kind of check to see where things are yes so anyway that's, that's a great thing uh, another question that was brought up by alderman uh of, from ward four was what was the money – how was the money determined? In other words, you know, how do we get $330,000? The city attorney responded that it was based on population. That had something to do with it. Uh, and then also you had to show certain expenses that had been spent in the last year or two before. So basically for personnel expenses, kind of where that was. And so they looked at that. You you could apply for a certain number, but didn't mean that's the number you were getting. question was asked, well, did we get what we applied for? And the answer was no. Now, it never came out what the exact number was that they applied for. Uh, anyway, so $330,000. The last question that kind of dealt around, you know, dealt with the situation was, okay, well, we have the money from the CARES Act. It's supposed to help with any kind of COVID pay or overtime pay and that sort of thing. So the Alderman Award 4 was wondering, is it for reimbursement of what was already spent or is it to help us going forward? I mean, that's two different things. Sure. Because if we've already spent it and we're just supposed to pay ourselves back and then we can look to put it anywhere, well, that's one thing. Or if it's specifically supposed to pay salaries going forward, well, that's a whole other that then that it already has a bucket where it goes to. Wasn't really clarification. Nobody knew. They were trying to research exactly what the money, if there were any, I guess, um, stringent rules or anything tied to the money. And so they were going to also report back to that. So again, a lot of good questions, a lot of good discussion. Yeah. You're probably looking about a month away from really getting answers of it, but um, you know, we'll look forward to discussing at that time. Well, and Derek, we should be honest with our, our listeners. We we are putting together a packet to present to the city to be a lifetime sponsor for the UTW podcast for only two ninety nine, I mean, and two hundred ninety nine thousand, which yeah. would, that would really help. Hey, I mean, 
You know, we, we get a lot. Oh, know. I'm just saying, CARES Act, you get 330. We we only want 299,000 for a lifetime sponsorship. And we, we will do – you talk about being a sounding board for the city. Hey, I we'll buy the camera. I was gonna, yeah, we'll buy exactly. a new camera. We'll buy them a new camera, which it, I told you the other night, during the thing, it wouldn't live stream, but it, you were able to look at the video. Actually, the video was actually pretty well done. Okay. Uh, but, but once you – anybody, again, YouTube, just yep. type in City of Hernando – and it literally pops up in the order of, of meetings. Good news coming out of Hernando, Derek. A few other things, like you said, that got taken care of that weren't necessarily big things to talk about. So congratulations to Natalie. Looking forward to the different things about the CARES Act. $330,000 is definitely a difference maker uh, in any municipality. So I, I look forward to seeing about that. But a little bit further north, South Haven. Well, South Haven. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of cameras. South Haven, I'm not saying they didn't have a meeting. It looks like they did. I mean, obviously they did because they're, they're, I mean, they're required to. Uh, also... I'm not saying that they did anything nefarious uh, during the meeting. However, not able to watch it. Went they, to, they turned the body cam off. They, they did turn the body cam <laughs> off. There's a different. There's not on YouTube. They actually have. You go to their mm-hmm. website, City of South Haven, click on, I think, uh, my, our government or my government, and then you pull it up, go to the city, uh, the Board of Aldermen, and then it says it says live meeting, and you click on it. Right. And it takes you to, I mean, it's, it's in chronological order, uh, all the past live meetings. And when you clicked on every other one, It'll say, you know, meetings ended, watch again, right? right? Sure. Well, on January 5th, you click on it, and there's no watch again button. And you can click and click, and re- it's not there. So, and, it, it, and you do see that it ended at 7.30. So, it looks like it was an hour and a half meeting. Right. But whatever they talked about, they didn't want the public knowing about. I'm just kidding. But you, you cannot see it. So, there might have been a glitch or something. So, not able to actually report what happened during the South Haven meeting. But South Haven did receive some good news this week. And this I'm sure this might have come up during the meeting, and we just missed it. The Governor's Finance Officer Association, the GFOA of the U.S. and Canada, awarded the City of South Haven the Certificate of Achievement for Excellence in Financial Reporting for the 2019 Annual Report. So that would have been the year ended, September 30th, 2019. Uh, Mayor Musselwhy said this was a goal of his since he took the office to have the citizens of the city of South Haven regain the trust in the city after the financial issues that had come before him. Uh, we're not going to go back. That was probably seven or eight years ago. We're not going to rehash what happened with all the, the, uh, the imp- I guess I guess we can't say improprieties that happened. Uh, at that time. So this has been a long seven or eight years to get the trust back up to make sure that, you know, he's been trying to keep the books as clean as possible. Well, now they're finally being recognized for that because the city of South Haven received this award that only 5% of more than 89,000 local governments uh, or districts in the country, country receive. So again, a, a very uh, highly uh, coveted award uh, showing that, you know, their books uh, are clean. Uh, they've had people come in there and audit them, you know, uh, strictly, and were able to receive this award. So again, congratulations to the city of South Haven. And again, uh, Mayor Muscle White, when he was here uh, for his interview, uh, just kind of mentioned why he got into the race. Uh, he was ready for South Haven to go in a certain direction, and and what a you know, really trying to bring trust back to the uh, to City Hall. And I think that's one way to definitely do it. Taxpayers want to know that they're getting what they're paying for. They want to know that they're books and there's no funny business going on. So uh, just a really good job and congratulations to them, uh, you know, on that honor. I mean, uh, you said almost 90,000 municipalities, 89,000 municipalities, 5%. That's only about 500, you know, cities across the country that get that uh, award. So really, really good job by them. It is. And again, and, and you know, any any cities, uh, citizens of South Haven or any of the uh, – 
uh, government employees listening, please, you know, kind of picking about the camera. But if you get that fixed, uh, I'll, we'll, I'm going to watch it uh, as soon as it gets done. Maybe it may be after the next meeting when they realize it. Uh, and then anything that may have come from this meeting, uh, I will also report, talk about during the uh, third Friday, I guess, of the month. Uh, we're, we're back on here breaking down the meetings. You know, Derek, if you want to take a break from South Haven or Hernando, reach out to Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, or that tropical getaway, Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated. Give them a call today and start planning your magical getaway. Reach out to them at 662-469-6304. That's 662-469-6304. Or find them on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited right here in Hernando. Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider, is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, longtime Hernando resident and alderman for the city. Lauderdale Insurance Agency is found on 11 West Commerce Street in Hernando, Mississippi. Their team has over 118 years of insurance experience where they will help you manage the risk of your everyday life. Call, email, or stop by the agency and see any of the licensed team member about providing uh, you insurance for your auto, home, business, and life. And please prepare, compare their coverage, service, and price to any other insurance agency in the county. Please call them at 662 429 5213, again, 662-429-5213, or go visit them at 11 West Commerce Street in Hernando. Derek, 11 West Commerce Street, basically right across from the post office. Right across from the post office. Yeah, big state farm sign right across from the post office. I stopped by there just the other day to thank Mr. Sam for believing in us and and, and advertising with us. And so we definitely appreciate him and his team, you know, advertising with us to, to kick off 2021. All right, something that we start doing on Fridays. Now, on Tuesdays, we usually have the DeSoto County Fact of the Week. Um, but on Fridays, it, we maybe start doing a segment where we kind of do shorter, really quick news segments that have gone on during the week, or maybe some shout outs, maybe some positive news that we want to get out there. And so just again, these are really just snippets uh, that, you know, don't really go on for, you know, a four or five minute conversation, but just also recognize people or recognize businesses uh, that may have uh, something going on uh, over the past week. So a couple things going on. The first, uh, shout out to Emily Anderson. Uh, Emily Anderson was named the Hernando High School Teacher of the Year. And so just, uh, you know, we personally know Emily, um, uh, her husband, Lee, and just a real great family. Uh, Anderson family's been here forever. And so we just uh, congratulate Emily for the work that she does and, and you know, teaching the ch- children, especially this, this time of year. I mean, or the, excuse me, this especially this year, school year, 2020 <laughs> yeah. to 2021, uh, being able to do that. So we just want to recognize uh, her and just make sure she can hear her name on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Hopefully somebody will reach out to her and let her know. <laughs> let her know it. Maybe, maybe they listen already. We hope so. But Emily, congratulations. Uh, teaching high schoolers is not for everyone. And so being the best at it is definitely, uh, definitely an honor so congratulations uh the next is uh, district two supervisor mark gardner will be the supervisor board president for the 2021 year you know supervisors of course they are the ones that kind of manage everything outside of the city so we just got finished talking about the board of aldermen supervisors are basically the aldermen of the county Uh, and so they uh and what they do is they kind of rotate the president's position now the president's position basically what they do is they preside over the meetings uh every meeting and so you don't have a mayor uh, of the county so they preside over the meetings and they also have the ability to sign the documents for the county for that you know appointed time so he has been named it for the 20 
21 uh, year. Mark Gardner's been a uh, supervisor since 2011, so in his 10th year, uh, he'll be named for the president for this for the uh, time being. Is that something that kind of rotates through the board? So it's it, this is his particular year, right? Right. Okay, they, gotcha. They, they just kind of rotate. I mean, again, there's no you know one supervisor that's more powerful than the other. They just kind of rotate it, so you know somebody else can hit the gavel, start the meetings, and that sort of right. thing. Right. Just a really nice guy, Mark Gardner. I've gotten to know him real estate wise. I've known him now uh, for a while, um, working out of South Haven. But just a, a good guy. Not the best tennis form Derek if you uh if you pay attention to any some of our pictures that we've shown on our Facebook the uh the county supervisors uh, all had an opportunity to play a little tennis uh whenever they christened the new court out in Eudora so it was pretty interesting their picture so again uh shout out to Mark congratulations to him just a good good guy uh Derek some other news Olive Branch Olive Branch Parks Department is uh is closed tell us why right and this again we're not saying this is positive news because I did start it that way but this is just something news for everybody to know I see what you did there you know, I said that. <laughs> so this is Olive Branch Parks and Rec office is closed due to due to COVID. Um, they will be closed to reopen back on uh, January nineteenth at eight a.m. The main reason for us reporting this is because all softball and baseball signups have been postponed until then. So if you want to play uh, the rec ball uh, in, in Olive Branch, uh, that is postponed. Uh, signups are postponed until eight o'clock on January nineteenth with the open up to be able to do that. All right, and the uh, final kind of just uh, news snippet we want to make sure everybody's aware of is that the new 2020 municipal wards are available for Hernando and all, and basically for any of the uh, different cities in, in the county, but uh, Hernando specifically since theirs just changed. To view any interactive maps of your city and determine your ward and voting site, go to maps.desotocountyms.gov maps.desotocountyms.gov. You can go there and to kind of click on that and see, you know, where you are, where you're located, whatever city that you're in to find out the wards. So you can kind of uh, educating yourself on who's running for your ward. If you need more information on how to use the map, please contact DeSoto County GIS at 662-469-8019. Derek, something else, uh, wards and districts and all that kind of something, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, something that's very important to a lot of uh, Hernando residents, DeSoto County residents, and certainly the state of Mississippi as a whole, uh, with some opinions uh, by the lady who runs the Department of Education in Mississippi. Catch us up on that. State Superintendent of Education uh, is, is Carrie Wright. She said on Wednesday that she recommended waiving the passing requirements for the state made for third grade reading and high school end of the year, uh, end of course test. Again, this is her recommendation. Um, she's because schools would retain the letter grade. Now, if those of y'all that are, are familiar with how uh, school grading works, they're given a letter grade A through F. Every school gets it. Every elementary, every middle school, every high school, every city and every county in the state receives some type of letter grade. Uh, obviously, A is the best, F is the worst. But she is saying that the schools would retain their letter grade from the 2018-2019 school year. Now, this would be the second year in a row that the 2018-2019 letter grade was kept because obviously they did the same thing in May. There was no state testing, and then, of course, there were no year-end exams for the high school people. This would be, the again, back-to-back -back years where they would keep the same letter grade. This does not become law, or that, that's not how things are going to go just because she you know asked for that. Uh, this has to be taken up either by the legislature or Governor Tate Reeves uh, can do it by executive order. They would have to act on her recommendations and adopt it if that's what to become the case. So those of y'all that are in education, those of you obviously who have students, you know, 35,000 students, pay attention because what she's saying is that she still wants the testing to happen. She still wants the, the students to take the test, which is different than what happened last May. Not because they're going to hold it against anybody. They want to see 
basically over the last two years how badly or how poorly the students did from when they you know tested for real the last time just kind of get a benchmark of where they sit after basically two years or a year and a half of virtual learning so that's kind of what you know that's what she recommends again we don't know if that's going to happen but kind of something just you know I know a lot of people say well we don't know what's going on in the state start kind of finding that paying attention to that and there may be there's other things along with school funding uh, that may also be affected because of the uh, absenteeism uh, of a lot of schools so if you're in education or, or if you're worrying about you know how our tax dollars are spent or how our schools are funded this this is going to be something that's going to be very important throughout the spring and, and as we you know get more information we'll, we'll continue to report it on here man what a sad situation like you said just 2019 2020 uh school year just being uh you know just really sad and then this year to kind of uh you know have to put things on hold again or it's just you know not full classes not teachers being able to teach at their capacity and stuff like that just really sad for the kids and stuff uh, i would probably recommend not letting kids know that the test doesn't count well i mean, I mean obviously I know yeah. it's a joke but i'm just you know I, I know my eighth grader if you if i told him hey you're gonna go to test for three days and don't worry about it it's not a big deal yeah wilson <laughs> made up well and, and it you know i'm not saying yeah it's not a big deal for this year right it, exactly. it could not be i mean again they still have to adopt it but i think more it is you know the, the state testing they need to do the best they can of course because I mean, they want true scores yeah we want okay to i mean if if your if your school was an a and now it's a c you know if that's a if that's a, a true now you would not be again treated as a c you're not going to have them that's not, again you'll keep the same letter grader if if she gets her way but that that's devastating okay so how do we get those kids who have now suffered for the last two years and obviously suffered in their scores you know what policies you know what does the next year school year look like when we're, everybody's back in school how do we catch these kids back up? Because I mean, you know, yeah, you could say, well, it's it's in the past, and nothing we can do about it now. We got to go forward. That's fine. But these are very key years of a student's life, of course. And and they lost that. They lost that education. They lost the the, the framing of their brains for certain areas. But so they need to bring in, you know, I guess you know, experts on how to catch them back up. So sure. they want to see how far. It may only be from a. You went from an A to a B plus. That's not bad. Okay. Or maybe an A to an A minus, which is great. Okay. So we don't have that far to go. Other schools may go from a B to a D. Yeah. And then, then again, it's setting benchmarks. She does not want them penalized at all. We'll see what the legislature or the the governor says. Yeah. I'm going to say during the coronavirus and and COVID-19 time, the word penalized probably just needs to be set on the shelf for a little while right now. But just really sad for the, the whole situation. The kids having to, for the last year, things have been a lot different, you know, here in the United States. Definitely in Mississippi. Mississippi and locally, of course. Well, you know, Derek, speaking of education, North Point Christian School is excited to start school back this week. On Monday, they welcomed 17 new students. These students in grades PK through 12 decided they just couldn't wait for the next fall and are joining the North Point family at the opening of the spring semester this January. Over the last couple months, NCS has encouraged parents, families, and students interested in North Point to come see them at their safe and socially distanced monthly Preview the Point open house events. Many have taken them up on their invitations to campus and have observed directly how North Point upholds the strictest health and safety guidelines while maintaining continuity in learning excellence both online and in person. If you're interested in learning more about North Point and how this amazing school community might serve your student, they have their next Preview the Point open house coming up on Sunday, January 24th at 2 p.m. Reservations are required and can be made by calling Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127. Again, Sheila Sharon at 662-349-5127. Derek, I've said to you before that the name Preview the Point is a good slogan, a good name. So if you know the person that came up with that, just you know, just let them know. Compliment them on that. I, I will. I'll try to. <laughs>
Podcast brought to you by Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. Richard has begun to encourage me to remind the UTW Podcast listeners that Williams Services does a phenomenal job with gates, fences, repair of fences, new fences, and they're still working really hard each and every day when it comes to leaf removal. There are plenty of houses out there in the Hernando area that could use this service. If you're interested in leaf removal or any type of an outdoor need for your home, please reach out to Richard at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or look them up on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services. Visit with Richard earlier this week. He's going to come on with us, Derek, sometime in the next four or five weeks. Visit with us about you know outdoor home needs, lawn care, oh, things to be looking forward to in the spring and that type of stuff. So it's that time of year to really start focusing on your yard to get it ready for what it's going to look like in the spring. So it's a really good guy. Again, we're going to talk about the military, his life in the military, that type of stuff. Richard Williams is a very nice young man. I think a lot of listeners will thoroughly enjoy our time with him. But Derek, something else, turn the page a little bit. Derek, you're in the banking business. Uh, that's what you do for living so what we're about to talk about is important to you definitely uh it definitely kept you busy uh last spring for sure but uh podcast listeners just remember that we had what was called the triple p stuff that happened in the spring to uh to the the federal government assisted local businesses and that type stuff and then obviously the stimulus checks that may have gone out to hundreds of thousands or even you know of course millions across the country the second round is now here called the covid relief bill the covid relief bill Derek, tell us about it the covid relief bill and again we mentioned earlier in the show that if when things do become national and do affect us we will talk about it and again we're already here um the cover relief bill was signed uh, on december 27th uh, it was passed by congress president trump signed it just after christmas on the 27th 900 approximately 900 billion dollars that's made up this bill now there's a lot of things that go into this bill but the two things that i want to look at this morning directly affect pretty much everybody so the first is as what matt was talking about the ppp last spring and april uh they released the first round of the ppp and and the payment protection program and that's you know it went decently well the first round they didn't release another one there was a lot of confusion a lot of uh you know unfortunately a lot of stories coming out where some people abused the first round uh you were able to get 10 million dollars there were large companies getting 10 million dollars that didn't need it there were other people buying lamborghinis with it so you know just a lot of negative press came out uh then, then another round came out and that all the money in the second round wasn't even spent and so, you know, then you kind of people got a, a negative taste in the mouth. Things were starting to reopen. Did we really need to do it? Well, now we're basically, you know, kind of back where we were last April again with with the number of cases. And they did release this. And so there's some confusion. I'm going to try to clear that up best I can in, in a short amount of time I can this morning. Uh, one question I actually had today uh, that I didn't know the answer to. I'm going to start with that. Uh, can you still apply for the first round of money? As I said, there was still money left in, in the second part of the first round. That's a good question. Um, and the answer is maybe. <laughs> um, so I know that didn't really clear it up, but uh, was, uh, I actually put in a call and they still have not gotten clarification on that. Uh, there may be a potential if you never applied for the first round that you could still go ahead and apply for the first round and then come back and apply for the second round after that. Again, I'm going to have clarification once I know that. Hopefully report that uh, either Tuesday or Friday of next week. Now this, but the now let's look at the, the second round. So the PPP, uh, the second round as part of the COVID relief bill passed in December. Here are, the, here are kind of the, the, the guidelines to go by. 
Uh, first of all, you have until March 31st to apply for it. And so that's not a very long time. They're only giving you about two and a half months, maybe. And so you have to apply for it. Now, once the money's gone, it's gone. Uh, there's only $286 million this time, uh, billion, billion this time. Yeah. Excuse me. Uh, whereas last time, I think it was with both of them combined, it was about six hundred fifty billion. So not, you know, about a little over a third of what was done last time. You'll have uh, you have to have been in operation since February fifteenth of twenty twenty. You have to have three hundred or less employees. Now last time it was five hundred or less. Hmm. So they're, they're actually focusing towards smaller companies. Smaller business, yeah. Three hundred or less. Uh, the cap is two million. No longer ten million. The cap is now two million. You had to have used or will use all of the full amount of the first PPP loan you got. So if you did apply for the first PPP loan, you had to have spent or in the process of spending all of it, and you can't receive the second one until you spend all the first one. So that's the third the third one. And then the last one, a, the last, I mean, again, I'm not saying there's not one or two smaller points, but the last main point, a sustained revenue loss of at least 25% in a quarter of 2020 as compared to the same quarter in 2019. 25%. I thought it was 30, 35 25%. 25%. 25%. Okay. 25% uh, is the same quarter of 2019. So, again, if you, if you had a really bad second quarter, if you had a really bad fourth quarter, which many people did, thinking sure. that fourth quarter was going to be better, it may have been your worst. How that compares to 2019, if you're down 25% or more, you would be eligible, of course, if you met the other criteria. So that's kind of what we're looking at. This started basically this week. Now, most banks are still, and my bank included, are still getting their portal set up. Uh, if, if you applied for PPP loan the first time, you know exactly what I'm talking about, a portal. It's basically the email link that you go through to start everything. Everything's done online. There's no meeting in person. There's no signing of physical papers. Everything's done online. And so that portal is still being finalized all the making sure all the i's and the t's and stuff and all the coding all the ones and zeros are, are set up and ready but you'll probably see a lot more banks start issuing it out next week uh, i know for my bank that everybody that got it the first round through our bank will receive an email the week of the 18th kind of explaining all these rules again and then actually offering the email link so again this is something to be looking for if you need to um you know if, if you have any if, you know questions and you got one the first round please call your banker talk to them about it uh, it is easier to go through the bank if you want to them the first time they'll have all the information they can kind of go over it with you two million dollars is the cap and then the, the amount of money you can apply for is 250 percent to 200 two and a half times uh, of your average monthly payroll cost this is uh, also something that uh is is remember last time and the people that got it they really stressed payroll. You know, first sure. I think it had to be eighty percent. Then they said, okay, it can be seventy five percent. Then they actually, I think the second round they lowered it to sixty percent. Now this is sixty percent. So sixty percent of the money has to be used for payroll. But a lot order, of sixty percent of the money has to be used for payroll in order to have it forgiven. Correct. In order to have it forgiven. But now, listen to the allowable proceeds this time. Payroll cost, obviously. Payments of mortgage interest, same as last time. Rent, same as last time. Utilities, same as last time. And now we get different. Lamborghini. Operations high. <laughs> Operations expenditures can be counted. Property damage cost. So if you're if if you had people that were rioting, oh. you can have that paid for. Supplier cost. Worker protection expenditures. Interest on any debt obligation. So any any debt obligation incurred before February fifteenth of twenty twenty. Or a reef, and then all your EIDLs. Now, uh, some of you that may have had your your loans forgiven this past time for the first round. Still, uh, found out that you had to pay back the EIDL loan. Not anymore. Now they not not only do you not have to pay it back, the SBA is actually looking at maybe reimbursing you if you paid back the first round of EIDL money. There's a lot of things going on, you know, but still 60% or more payroll costs have to be go toward to be forgiven. But they're making it a lot a lot more that you can put that basically 
any operating expense that you have. Sure. Uh, I mean, there may be some. I mean, you can't, you know, again, they may not cut your truck note that you're trying to throw in your company may not count, but a lot of other things do. So please call your CPA. Please talk to your banker uh, and, and go ahead. Uh, but the money, once it's gone, it's gone. And, you, and it will be a very quick window uh, through uh, March 31st. So, again, this is just something we kind of wanted to educate the uh, public about. If you have any questions, contact your CPA and or banker. And, look, if you're listening to this podcast, more than likely you're – probably within a four or 500 mile radius of Hernando, Mississippi. Uh, Derek, you, Derek, you and I joke around about our moms maybe listening to the show and stuff like that You know, down there. Up in Michigan, California, some of these different states, Derek, this is a big deal because these people, they, some of these people have barely left their house since March. No, and They have you know, jobs and that type of stuff, restaurants, those type of things. We joke around about it in Hernando. We get frustrated with wearing masks and all that kind of stuff and those different things. Guys, compared to some states, some places, California again, like I'm saying, uh, it's heaven as far as it, we are wide open compared to some states. Yeah. There, so these type of things, uh, I know as a banker, Derek, you're, you're kind of get get pretty tense and start to sweat when you start thinking of the just the money going out Alphas, and so forth. Of course, yeah. a taxpayer, I get it, hundred percent. But again, some of these some of these folks, March first, they had a job. And their boss hadn't let them come back, or they lost that job because their restaurant closed, or whatever. Man, just a terrible situation. Just like I was talking about with education, but um, just an amazing program and, and situation. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm happy. I'm happy about it because so many people were flourishing, and the, and the economy was going in a certain way, and all of a sudden it was it, world changing. And if you have any, again, uh, as I said, please contact your CPA or your banker uh, with any questions. Please look for it to start rolling out uh, by next week, definitely the week after. Again, if there's anything that you can't find an answer to, please reach out to us at underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com, and we'll do our best to try to find uh, the answer for you uh, and, and get back to you as soon as possible. Again, underthewatertowerinfo at gmail.com. Uh, the other thing that was part of the COVID relief bill, and again, there's many parts to this, so I'm not going to try to find out you know, what was funded here or what state got this or what country we sent what to. Uh, but that's something that everybody or, or a lot of people will be affected by uh, is the $600 per person checks uh, that came out uh, started on basically January 1st. And so this, uh, the $600, if, if I'm, I'm sure most everybody's aware, uh, it was per person this time. Now, last time it was $1,200 per adult. Uh, $600 per child uh, up to you know a certain point but this time it's $600 for everybody so it doesn't matter if you're five or 95 uh, it was $600 in the household the, the, I guess that some of the clarification I want to make sure that everybody understood is that this is not uh, a, a advance on your tax refund so it is it's not a, an advance or tax refund so if you you know whatever you thought your tax refund should be come March or April it's still gonna be the same thing uh, it can it's not going to be taxed. So if you're worried about uh, the, the one you get received last year or this one being taxed, they're not going to be taxed. What it is is that it is a advance of the tax credit. Uh, so if you're familiar when you're doing taxes, that the, the tax credit part of that, it is an, uh, it's, it's part of that. Uh, but again, it's not going to affect your, and you. Uh, this is not from a, I'm not getting this from anybody other than I've talked to a CPA. Uh, I also have read, this is from Business Insider and from Forbes, uh, making sure that I, I, you know, I'm saying this right. Uh, it is a, just basically uh, comes from the tax credit. It will not affect either your tax refund and it will not be taxed. Now, it does start phasing out $87,000 uh, as an individual, $174,000 uh, as a married couple. Uh, it does start phasing out up to, I think, once you reach like 195000 it's zero. Uh, so for a couple, and I, I don't remember what it was for an individual. Uh, but, you know, so there is phasing out. So if for some reason you get a check and you say, wait, I didn't get $600 a person. Well, you know, you might want to check 
check your last year tax return to see, right. <laughs> see what you made. But anyway, that's that's what it is. And and they, and they started January first. Uh, I know that uh, our bank uh, there was a bunch of memo posts started on January first. Another run came through about the middle of the week. Just be looking for that. If you have any questions, again, contact your CPA. But just kind of wanted to give a general brief. Uh, overview of what was going on because I know there's been a lot of questions and confusions about the act itself and then some things coming out of the act. Fairly easy to figure stuff out too if you think you may be, be receiving you know some money uh, from the IRS I'm sorry from the federal government simply go to irs.gov go there actually just go to google and say irs.gov where's my payment i think it was that simple from what i read today irs.gov where's my payment it's going to take you right there a few little questions to enter and, and kind of lead you in a certain direction so if you have not received that yet if you want to know if yours is coming uh just do that podcast listeners again derek like you said up to uh you know up to pushing two hundred thousand dollars of income for a couple uh you're going to receive some money from the federal government so either you get it or somebody else does you know i mean just keeping it real some of the stuff you and i talk about off air so yeah and, and it's going to come to most people it will come the same way as it came last time um so if you received it electronically last time uh, it'll come that way again because they've already got your your account number uh if you usually receive your income refund by check yours will come by check so again that's just in and, and, and as matt said go to the website type in uh, i think if you've never tried to look at it before you will have to have your 2019 income number uh, your uh, AGI, I believe, to plug in there along with your Social Security number so they make sure that you are who you say you are, and then they'll spit it out pretty quickly about when you should have your, your, your money. Very interesting. So, look, be sure and take a look at that and stuff. And, Derek, on to some more positive news. Not saying it's not – I mean, who doesn't like to get money, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, more positive news. want to shine a light on some uh, basketball players that have been uh, given a good honor uh, here in DeSoto County. Four female uh, basketball players and one male uh, have been named to an all-star team. Derek, tell us about that. As you said, there was uh, one male and four females that uh, were named uh, to a couple of different all-star teams. First are three ladies uh, who will take place in the North 4A, 5A, and 6A team on March 20th in the Clinton uh, during the annual North-South Battles uh, at Mississippi College. They were the six girls, excuse me, the three girls for that are Rima Piggies and Addison Powell of defending MHSAA 6A state champion Olive Branch along with Abby Harrison of Hernando. Right. So those are the three girls that will be representing the 4A, 5A, 6A team on March 20th. Two players from DeSoto County on the Mississippi-Alabama roster. So this is the Mississippi-Alabama game. Uh, was the one male, Caden Laws, from MHSAA 5A state runner-up Center Hill, and then Taylor Woodhouse of South Haven. Uh, she'll be playing in the uh, girls' side. So, again, congratulations to Rima Piggies, Addison Powell, Abby Harrison, Caden Laws, and Taylor Woodhouse. Yeah, my daughter's a junior at Hernando High School. Not sure how much she knows Abby, but definitely uh, knows her. Says she's a very sweet you know, girl, and, and congratulations to her right here under the water tower. Uh, it's, a, it's an honor to be asked to play in any All-Star game. So, congratulations definitely a reward for all the hard work and and stuff i i know i, I don't know her personally but i know she's I think she's the, typically the tallest one on the court. So uh, she's pretty easy <laughs> to helps, find. Yeah, it definitely helps in basketball, last time I checked. So uh, turning our attention. So what we've talked about, um, you know, on Tuesday, we did not update you score by score, information by information for the uh, the basketball tournaments over the holidays. What we agreed to do was kind of get us caught up to where we are. It's going to be a little bit of uh, numbers over the next few minutes, talking about records and stuff like that. But we're going to kind of reset the basketball records as we move forward into 2021. Again, like I said before, 
before the holidays, the cream will start to rise to the top. You'll start to seeing the teams with the better numbers or, I mean, they're just going to be there. So uh, go ahead and start breaking us down. Again, we're just going to go by record, um, just kind of in the order, basically the order that I found them or helped. I uh, actually had uh, Coach Jenkins um, in the county office uh, help me out to make sure I had all the figures right. So just kind of going to go in that order. Just going to give the boys records first, then come back and give the girls records. And then we're going to highlight just kind of a, a couple games this week. Uh, that happened. It took place on Tuesday. Again, th- we're recording this Friday morning. We have not gotten uh, any of the really any of the scores from last night. I think I had one score from last night. Uh, so uh, again, if I'm a game or behind because somebody else played that I missed, I apologize. Uh, but Horn Lake, uh, as the boys are six and three, zero uh, and one. 6-3, and 0-1 in district. Uh, the one loss came this week to South Haven on a 60-59 to loss. Terrence Smith for South Haven made two free throws with 1.4 seconds left to lift the Chargers over the Eagles. So it did uh, lead Horn Lake to have their uh, 0-1 district start to district uh, game. So again, 60-59 to 59 loss to South Haven for uh, Horn Lake. South Haven boys, they're 12-3. and 3. Uh, obviously, one and zero in district just covered the game, uh, so twelve and three, one and zero for South Haven boys. DeSoto Central boys, eleven and six, have yet to play a district game. They're eleven and six. Lake Cormorant, eight and six, zero and two in district, uh, eight and six, zero and two, and there's zero and two came at the uh, the second loss uh, in district came this past Tuesday to Center Hill. Uh, Center Hill beat Lake Cormorant eighty three to fifty one. Center Hill was led by Caden Laws with twenty two. Zanin Harrelson with 19, Tanner Burcham with 18, and Calvin Dockery with 15. Lake Cormorant was led by Marshall Odom with 13, Donovan Sanders with 12, and Damian McKnight with 10. So Lake Cormorant, 8-6, uh, and 0-2 in district, and that leads us to Center Hill. They're currently 9-8, 1-0 in district, with the one uh, win obviously being Lake Cormorant that we just discussed. Lewisburg, they're a 500 team right now. Overall, 8-8. Eight eight. They have yet to play a district game. They're 0-0. Hernando, 7-9, 7-9 overall, 0-1 in district. Their loss being to Oxford. They lost to Oxford on Tuesday, 71-59. to And then uh, the last public school was Olive Branch. Olive Branch is 6-8, uh, 0-0 in district. They have yet to play a, a game in district. Uh, and then on the private school side, we have one school, uh, North Point. They're 7-3, 0-0 in district. Their last was a win last night uh, against Macon Road. That's the one score update that I did have. Uh, they beat Macon Road on the road. Uh, and so they're now 7-3 and overall, 0-0 in district. Hey, just to circle back on the boys, uh, good job on the getting the boys. Now on the girls' side, uh, we're going to go in the same order. Pretty easy to be able to find the information. So Horn Lake, girls, they're 7-2, and 1-0. Seven and two, one and zero in district. Their win was uh, Tuesday. Now remember, this is usually how high school works. I'm not saying it's a, you know 100 true, but usually, uh, whatever the guys play, the girls play also. Horn Lake girls beat South Haven 52 to 41. So that's their one win in district so far. So seven and two, one and zero for Horn Lake. South Haven six and nine, zero and one. The loss coming to Horn Lake. So six and nine overall, zero and one in district. The Soda Central girls, twelve and five. Have yet to play a district game. Lake Cormorant girls three and ten. That's that's a tough way to start the season. Three and ten. Lake Cormorant zero and two in district play. They are they lost uh, also Tuesday to Center Hill. So Center Hill swept that five A matchup in the in the county. Center Hill was led by Candace Buford with sixteen. Kylie Prentice with twelve. Hope Mueller with twelve. And then Lake Cormorant was led by Anaya Hayes with eleven and Talia Austin with eight. So again, Lake Cormorant starting the season a tough three and ten, zero and two in district. Center Hill nine and nine, one and zero in district. Again, Center Hill with the win over Lake Cormorant that we just covered. 
Lewisburg, 10-7, 0-0, 10 7-0-0 in district. They did have a game on Tuesday. It was not a district game, obviously. Matt, Lewisburg beat Coldwater 49-5. So, 49-5. I'm, so, I'm not laughing at Coldwater. I'm sorry. 49-5. to 5. Lewisburg was led that's by a, high. Hang on. That's a, that is a high school regulation basketball game where a team comes out and scores five points. I'm going to say all oh, that's true. I was not there, but I'm going to say it was true. Wow. 49-5, Lewisburg led by Holly Hodges with 11 and Lainey Moss with 8. Uh, but again, 0-0 in district. Hernando uh, started off the season. The boys lost their their game. Hernando won their game over Oxford. Uh, they are 13-4. and uh, 1-0 now in district with that uh, win over Oxford, so congratulations to the uh, Tigers. Uh, and then finally, the last uh, public school, Olive Branch Girls, 10-0. Wow. 10-0, 0-0. Now, we just heard that they had two girls playing in the All-Star game. Sure. Uh, so, they've got a great team. 10-0, 0-0 in district. And then, finally, North Point girls are 6-3, 0-0 in district. Uh, I think I believe North Point's play starts uh, district play tonight, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So, anyway, uh, that's kind of the catch-up. Now, so, we are now completely caught up through, uh, we'll say, Thursday morning. Because, again, right. I know there, was, there may have been a game or two I, I missed last night. I'm not going to say I didn't. But through Thursday morning, we're caught up. We will keep this up to date and uh, try to give these scores probably about once a week. Every Friday, we'll kind of update where we are for the week. Uh, and then as we go forward, as Matt said, once the better teams start floating to the top, you know, we'll pay a little more attention uh, as we start entering uh, you know, the, the playoffs and that sort of thing. So congratulations to all the team. The season's hot and heavy. We're glad that we're playing basketball. Absolutely. And uh, good luck to all the teams uh, going into district. Something else we're very proud of, Derek, you and I, uh, the numbers that continue to go up for the UTW podcast, uh, the numbers of the different things, the people that are getting excited – about the elections coming up, get excited about the things we're doing. Uh, it, it, you know, Derek, it, you and I both get texts or emails or calls just about every day uh, about neat things that people like about the podcast. So if you like what you hear each and every Tuesday and Friday morning from the UTW podcast, please go to your Facebook page, find us at UTW Podcast. That's UTW Podcast on Facebook. Like us, follow us, whatever you'd like to do, so you'll know exactly when we release those shows. Instagram, UTW Podcast. That's UTW Podcast on Instagram. And on Twitter, at UTW Pod. UTW Pod on Twitter. Please continue to share uh, our information. Continue to share this podcast with others. Post it anywhere you'd like to on Facebook or, or send it out to friends, family, or anything like that. That helps us to continue to grow. But again, coming up into the spring, different elections, as we talked about in the first part of the show, politics is local. Start to focus on that and, and share those different things. Most importantly, hit subscribe wherever you uh, listen to your podcast so you'll know when we uh, have our shows on Tuesdays and Fridays. So we're certainly enjoying uh, getting together each and every Tuesday and Friday to record the show and share it with, uh, with the public, share it with, share it with our listeners right here under the water tower. Derek, anything else? Well, I guess I'd be, I'd be remiss to say that uh, today is my wife's birthday. Happy birthday! She is 29 for the... <laughs> What, I don't think we've ever time? said your wife. I know. I, 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 we've only said my wife's name once on right. this podcast. What? Uh, it's uh, her, her name's Lisa. <laughs> she, I think this is the sixteenth time she celebrated her 29th there birthday. There you go. Uh, and no, but uh, so I'll uh, you know just wish her a, a wonderful day and and uh, started off right this morning with with breakfast and and a, and a couple presents. So anyway, I think that uh, I need to say that happy birthday, Lisa. Oh, I couldn't agree more, Derek. Happy birthday, Lisa. Uh, continue to. I mean, who doesn't want to celebrate her birthday by going to North Point? Working hard all day long. And then staying for my daughter's game tonight. Oh, my gosh. She has to spend all day at work and stay yeah. for a game and stuff like that. I mean. And then and then the next day, Saturday, is my son's birthday. 
so Bo will be 17. Wow. Uh, so just a, a birthday, you know, celebrated one this morning, and so we'll have another one tomorrow. And for his birthday, he also gets to go watch his sister play another game. Oh, miserable! So you know that he's just. I'm talking about. Actually, he said, uh, if, Allie, she, "If her score is 49 to five, we're gonna have a problem." Well, his he said, Allie said, "What do you want for your birthday?" And Bo said, "If you could promise me, I don't have to come to your game." Oh, that's nice. That that can be that can be your gift to me. So that's you know you see the the love between siblings is just amazing. It's wow, just amazing. Absolutely. So yeah, Derek, if you'll please, uh, we'll, we'll end the podcast with this think about so Bo has to go uh possibly watch his sister play basketball what were you doing on your 17th birthday (laughs) (laughs) uh no comment if there's nothing else i'm matt (laughs) and i'm Derek. join us next time under the water tower happy birthday